Well, I'm glad you're here with us this morning. And if we haven't met, I'm Pastor Tony. And and it's my privilege to bring the next installment in our series on the book of Philippians. We've only got a couple of these left. And uh, and then we get into our Advent series. But today we're going to be in Philippians chapter 4. And and I'd invite you, if you have your Bible with you or, or your app, you can certainly open it or turn and scroll to Philippians chapter 4. We're going to look at verses 2 through 9 of Philippians 4. Reading in Jesus' name. I plead with you, Eodia, and I plead with you, Syntyche, to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women, since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. Father God, these are your words. Lord, would you bless them so that they might take root in our hearts and in our minds. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Psychologists tell us that it's common for people to want to be famous. It's not universal, Not all of you want to be famous, but a lot of you at some point in time in your life have thought, it'd be kind of cool to be famous. Psychologists tell us that's common. As Paul begins this part of his letter, in the first part of this text, we hear about two women, Iodia and Syntyche. And I'm going to confess to you, I'm not sure that's how they pronounce their names, but it's good enough for me. Forgive me if it's not correct. But these two women are famous. They've been famous for 2,000 years. They're famous as the feuding females of Philippi. Right? They're, they're famous because they don't see eye to eye. They're famous because, because Paul calls on the entire church to help these two. 
The entire church of Philippi, help them, come alongside them. And then he says to my good companion, which we don't know for sure who that is. Maybe it's Epaphroditus, maybe it's Timothy, but he calls on this person, you help them too. And I think the Holy Spirit had to know when Paul was writing this that these poor women would get famous for all the wrong reasons. Why is this in here? Well, I'm not going to pretend to know the mind of God when he inspires his word, but, but I will say this. It's good for me to hear that conflict in the church and conflict among church members and even conflict among church staff, if you will, these Paul goes on to say, these women are co-workers of mine in the gospel. And it's, it's kind of nice to know that that's not a 21st century issue. That's pretty common. And it's also fun to hear what Paul says about them. Paul doesn't point them out and say, Odia and Cynthia, you guys get your stuff together. Come on. How dare you? No, he, he gently and respectfully says, hey, you guys are co-workers of mine. You guys are partners in the gospel. Let's come alongside you. Do you hear some gentleness and some, some call upon the church to support and to help? I'm glad that's there because sometimes my tendency is to just go, well, knock it off, right? It's not where Paul goes. And then, and then almost seamlessly in verse four, he says, rejoice in the Lord, always. And he repeats himself. Rejoice in the Lord always, even in conflict. Yes, yes, these women are, are disagreeing. Yes, we need to walk alongside those who don't see eye to eye, but rejoice. Even in conflict and difficulty. And then he says in verse 6, and I, and I want to land here for just a little while this morning. He says in verse 6, do not be anxious about anything. And I wonder, what did the Philippians have to be anxious about? I mean, there are times for me when I would love to go to an earlier time. Could I just live in a more simple time? You know, the Philippians probably didn't have a, a mortgage and a car payment. You know, they, the, the Philippians probably didn't get stuck in traffic. The Philippians, I, I'm just, I think I'm right. I don't think the Philippians ever had to stop and wait 
for the train to finish crossing. I don't think they ever had to do that. What did they have to be anxious about? I wonder if they were as anxious as we are. A couple of weeks ago, I read an article. The article was quoting statistics from a study that the Barna Research Group did. And I don't know if you're familiar with Barna, but Barna is one of the leading groups that does survey research of kind of sociological trends and other things. They, they, they do these huge, big, really scientifically reliable studies, good studies. They kind of are one of the leading groups doing that. And they did a study of mental health issues. The Barna Group found that in the U.S., 45% of the people said they were lonely. They didn't say, I am lonely sometimes. 45% of Americans are lonely. 46% of Americans say, I'm depressed. Again, not I've been depressed in my life, but I am depressed. 45%. Fully half of the people in this study said they were burned out. One of the things they could identify, one of the check marks they could, they could mark is by being burned, saying I'm burned out. Half of the people are burned out. Almost two-thirds, 61% say stress is common to their life. Does it sound familiar? Of the 45% that said they were lonely, not all of those 45% said they were depressed. Of the 46% that said they're depressed, not all of them said they were lonely. <laughs> you don't have to be a mathematician to realize that more than half of Americans at any given time, more than half of Americans are depressed or lonely or both. There's a part of that that's good news. And it's this. If you feel like you're lonely or stressed or depressed or anxious, welcome to the club, right? That's, that's where we're at. You're not alone in that. You're not only not alone, but you're in the majority. If you look around, you'll recognize faces that you've seen before, and it's reasonable to expect that most of them understand what that's like. 
Paul says, don't be anxious. What what does he mean by that? Well, we use, in English, we use the word anxious in a couple of different ways. One of the ways we do it is sometimes we're excited about something and we say, I'm anxious, I I can't wait. I'm so anxious to do this or to do that, right? My, My four siblings and I and all of our children and all of our grandchildren are getting together for Thanksgiving. There's gonna be over 70 of us for a couple of days in a hotel down by the Twin Cities and it's gonna be a blast. I am anxious to get together with my family. That's not the word Paul uses. That excited kind of anxious, I can't wait, this is gonna be so good. There is a Greek word for that and that word is used in scriptures in other places but the word Paul uses here To the Philippians, don't be anxious about anything. The word he uses is just what you think it might be. It's a word that says that anxious means to to worry or to be overly concerned about or fearful. And I'm gonna make a couple of categories. I'm guessing I'm pretty confident in this guess, actually. I'm pretty confident that some of you hear Paul's words, don't be anxious. And right away, you thought of somebody else who needs to hear that. Right? Kind of like, hey, don't be anxious. Huh? That'll help. Right? Some of you thought about that. Some of you hear that and it's good. I don't have to be anxious. And then some of us, and then some of us hear that, don't be anxious. And it, frankly, it causes us anxiety because it's one more thing we have to do. It's one more thing on our list. Oh, now I gotta stop being anxious. I don't stop being anxious. I'm still anxious. Oh my goodness, now I'm anxious about being anxious. Ah. And you've heard it before and it doesn't help. Right? I know it says don't be anxious. I'm still anxious. To quote a character in a movie, thank you very little. Let me just say this. If you're one of the minority that has a difficult time relating to this idea that we might be anxious, I'm gonna encourage you to stop using these words of Paul as something that, that you tell other people. Not that we don't proclaim God's word and its truth, don't misunderstand me. Not that, but, but the reality is that anxiety is real. And it's not just a 2,000 year old problem. 
right? The Philippian church existed 2,000 years ago. It's not a 2,000-year problem. It's a problem that goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. When the first thing or one of the first things that happened after Adam and Eve fell into sin, one of the first things that happened is they looked around and said, I got nothing to wear. Oh man, what do I do now? Right? Anxiety is real and it's not going away simply because Paul tells us don't be anxious. In in fact, Paul's not the only one of the apostles that uses that word or that talks about anxiety. Peter, in his letter to the church, Peter, in in 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your anxiety on him, on God. And some of us have learned a little bit about how to do that, how to cast our anxiety. (laughs) But some of us are better at collecting anxiety than we are at casting it off. Have you ever done that? Had some kind of deep-seated feeling that, that maybe everything's going okay and you look around and you go, well, that might not be going okay. And before long, you start collecting things to be anxious about. Well, if, if anxiety isn't going away anytime soon, what do we do with this idea, don't be anxious? <laughs> I, let me just be really honest with you. I get to this point of preparing, I got to this point of preparing a message and I thought I haven't told them anything about how not to be anxious. And I was kind of anxious about that. I don't know anywhere to go except, except right where we are. What do we do when we're feeling anxious? What do we do when we are being anxious? When anxious anxious threatens to be what we are. Well, let's look at what Paul says. Right after that, he says, don't be anxious, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Anxiety, according to Paul, the best response to our anxiety is to let it drive us to our knees before God. Maybe even literally to hit our knees in prayer before God. But to bring it to him in prayer. But notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say, don't be anxious, bring it all to God, and then all your anxiety goes away. He does say this. Let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. He doesn't say that the peace of God will take over all your anxiety. I mean, that happens. 
But that's not the promise here. But, it, but the peace of God, which defies our understanding, has a way of guarding our hearts and our minds. And I'm gonna be honest with you, the thing that resonates me most about that is the peace of God that's beyond understanding. Because I don't get it. How is it in my most anxious moments that the peace of God can do anything? It's beyond my understanding. And yet, God's peace is active In those of us who are trusting him, God's peace is active even when it makes no sense that we would have peace. And also notice that it doesn't say the peace of God will rid us of all anxiety. Sometimes we think, oh, the peace of God, I don't feel like the peace of God, and then we get even more anxious about the fact that even with the peace of God, we're still anxious. And man, isn't it amazing how we get caught in these cycles of just... Paul calls us to get on our knees in prayer. Let our requests be made known to God and let his peace do what his peace does even when his peace doesn't seem to make sense. Because prayer is powerful because God's peace can guard our hearts and our minds. And, And finally in this section, Paul doesn't just leave us with a command to not be anxious. He gives us instructions about what to do not only to to come to him in prayer, but what do we do in our head? What do we think about? He says in verse eight, think about these things. Think about what's true and noble and right and pure and lovely and admirable and excellent and praiseworthy. Why? Because that's who God is. God is true and noble and right and pure and lovely and admirable, praiseworthy. That's who he is. And when when we're reminded of who he is, it's easier to trust that God's peace is doing what God's peace does in my mind and in my heart. It's, it's a little bit, okay, I don't know if this is a good example, but I can't, I, I can't get away from it. I've got a 17-month-old grandson. And I've got pictures on my phone of my 17-month-old grandson. And, and I try not to go around doing that stereotypical, horrific grandpa thing that shows everybody pictures. But you know what? Once in a while... I will just pull out my phone and I'll look at pictures of my grandson. Why? Because I love him and thinking about who he is and what he's like brings me joy. Paul says this is who God is, holy and right and righteous. 
He's pure and lovely and admirable. And if you think about those things, that's going to remind you again of who God is. And it doesn't mean anxiety goes away, but it does mean your mind is focused on who God is and what he has done for you. You see, putting my mind on those things and coming to the Lord in prayer doesn't fix everything. But when I meditate on who he is and when my mind is fixed on those things, it doesn't fix everything, but it does help me focus on the one who can fix and who does fix and who someday will fix everything. Oh, oh, come, Lord Jesus, and fix everything. Let's pray.